Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Melanie. Hi, this, is this good? Okay. Uh, I'm Melanie, I'm a compulsive over and under eater. Hi, um, Michael, thank you so much for having me. I could burst into tears right now. I'm so overwhelmed with faces that I've seen in here and known in here for almost 20 years. I came into program 18 and a half years ago, and, um, and I have 16 and a half years of, of abstinence from binging and... Uh, I'm binging and over-exercising and starving myself. Um, I haven't done those things in 16 and a half years. And God is so funny because this is normally a really long share and there were so many extraordinary <laughs> birthdays tonight that I the pressure's off. I'm talking for like 15 minutes. Um, so, yeah, so God has a sense of humor because I, I had to meditate before coming here tonight and just feel my heart beating because, you know, how am I going to, what am I going to say for for the length that we that, that I get to be up here. So um, I'll try to wrap it all up. No, I'm not going to have any fun. Um, welcome to the newcomers. You are, I am so excited for you. You're in such a wonderful place. And happy birthday to everybody. Um, so I'll share a little bit about what it was like because I don't know all of you. Um, I have absolutely been a compulsive overeater my entire life. I, I do not remember a time where I did not use food to take the edge off. And I think, I was thinking today about what was that edge that I was trying to take off when I was six, eight, ten? Um, you know, I, I really do come from a family. Addiction is all over my family in various forms. None of it extremely obvious for the most part. My family is high-functioning in different ways. Everybody has their stuff, but in different ways. Everybody has made it through. And um, But so there's a ton of big feelings that nobody knows where to put, and I didn't know how to either. And my... For me, when I get uncomfortable, it just manifests and I don't want to stop moving. What can I do? How can I do it? How can I do more? Da, 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 da. And food was the only thing that I knew how to, I think now as I look back, to try to bring me that sense of stillness that I've been craving my entire life. Now I have other ways to do that, which I'll get to in a minute. But I really think that's what it was about. I, I, I always... I. I had so much anxiety, and I was always trying to figure out who I needed to be to make this person happy, to make this go the way I wanted to, to make this outcome happen. And I would end up, like, I remember being, you know, nine or something. My dad had a big pot of stew on the stove, and I'm in there, like, taking the hot stuff out of it, you know, burning my mouth, but I was getting that feeling of stillness. And, um... And that's, I think, ultimately what got me into the rooms. I started dieting when I was about 11, started compulsively exercising when I was about 11. My dad had a jukebox, and I would put on every song and try to do every aerobic move I'd see my stepmom doing. Um, But I was desperate. Like, I was desperate. And I would run to the mirror and see if it had made a difference. Um, And I have a daughter now. She's four and a half. And, you know, I just pray to God that her experience growing up is different. Um... So what happened, and again, I'm sort of fast-forwarding because I know I'm not speaking for 40 minutes. <laughs> I, um, what happened, I was in college, and, um, and my, my binging and then the cycle of binging and then starving and purging through exercise had gotten more extreme than I had ever known it to be. Um, 
I lived for the nights that my roommate wouldn't be there. I would have whatever sugar I could amass in whatever form I could amass. I didn't have a car, so the cafeteria was a good place to stock up. <clears throat> I could not wait to have that feeling of putting so much food in my body. And immediately afterwards, the self-loathing would start. It was like I needed, I needed to... I, I did that, and then I needed to atone. I needed to criticize myself. I needed to rip myself apart. I would squeeze my body parts. I would go in the mirror and think about if it was just like this, if it was just like this. And I would do that, and then that, that would lead to a few days of eating only, you know, eating only this food or eating only that food or spending three or four hours at the gym. And I would do that until I felt like I was back in control, and I would do the whole thing over again. And um, I was so I, – I, I never, you know – I had amazing. I had an amazing group of friends in college. Some of them I'm still really close with. How I how they didn't know I don't know except one of them picked up on it, and she was coming to these rooms and um and she asked me to come with her and I and I was so I remember in the moment I was so proud that she'd asked me because I was so thin that she asked me. You know the amazing thing is I was binging so much, but I was but I was also exercising and starving so much that I was thin enough that somebody would notice. That made me so happy that somebody would think I was skinny enough to have a problem. <laughs> so um, I'd like made it. So, um, so I came to a meeting, and it was a meeting with a lot of young women like myself, which I loved. But I will say, for my first year and a half in program, I didn't really get it. I, I got a sponsor, but then I never called, and I never really – I just didn't take it that seriously, and I got what I thought was abstinence. And I did – I did stop doing all those extreme behaviors, but I didn't work the steps, and I didn't develop a relationship with a higher power. I kind of came here and socialized with some girls I really liked. And a year and a half later, I had one of the biggest binges of my life, but the difference was this time I didn't I, – something had sunk in because I didn't – I couldn't atone for it the way I had. I couldn't starve myself afterwards. I couldn't go to the – like something had shifted, and I just felt – hopeless and stuck and that was the beginning of the acceptance that I was powerless over food and that was 16 and a half years ago and um and when I came back you know when I went to a meeting after that I started going to some different meetings and looking for people with long-time recovery um and I got a sponsor who was deeply was living the steps and worked the steps deeply all the time and that's when I started working the steps and as someone shared earlier tonight like that's really where the miracles started to happen and that's where the recovery started to happen um, I feel like my program has gone through, there's, it, it, it goes through different phases and there's certain steps or certain tools or certain slogans that stand out for me at different times. I will say, you know, I cannot, I cannot believe how extraordinary and full my life is and it's been a really hard month and I might, I might cry. It's been a month of a lot of tears. Um, and not because anything specific there's been no life crisis. There's been no. There's been none of that. It's that um. Step eleven has been deeply important to me lately, and when I talked about earlier as a little girl, craving that stillness and not knowing where to find it, and I find it through meditation, and I find it through prayer, and I've re-upped my commitment to that lately. I have two young kids. I, have, I mentioned I have a daughter. I have a little boy too, and uh. So finding that time, those, you know, those 20 blissful minutes of morning and evening and writing my journal and reading all the literature and, like, that hour of self-care that I used to take, I, I do not have that anymore. And it had become, you know, and, and for a couple of years, like, it was very much on the fly. I never, 
I never, my, my relationship with God is, is, that is the center of my life. I really feel like that. Um, but that sort of conscious contact has been very kind of hit or miss for the last few years. And I can completely, you know, love and forgive myself for that. But I, I've needed it lately. There have been some things coming up in my family. And there's also just been this sense of what I've, what I've heard since I came in the rooms of, you know, it, just the layers of the onion keep getting peeled back. And it actually gets, like, the, the core of my program and the heart of my program, my recovery, it gets simpler and simpler and more and more distilled. And it's not about anything that I thought it was about. When I came in, I really did think, I will get abstinent, and that will, sh- and then I will know the way to the career of my dreams. I will know the way to the body of my dreams. I will know the way to the relationship of my dreams. All that stuff will be clear to me because I am abstinent. And that is not actually how it goes. <laughs> I am in a wonderful marriage, and he's different from anybody I thought he'd be married to. And, like, and life is a big mess. But, and, and my career, like, I mean, you know, I could, I could do a whole share on, on that and what I thought was going to happen and what is happening and what might happen later and I don't know. But, um, but my relationship with God is, is it's, it's ultimately all been about um, what I started to say, which is there's been a lot going on in my family just interpersonally. And a lot of stuff's been coming up, and all I've known to do is, and my character defects have been flying in my face, flying in my face. And I go back, I've been going back to those steps a lot lately, and humbly asking God to remove my defects of character. And that humbly has finally sunk into me to mean that, like, I, it says it in the literature, but it, you know, it sinks in when it sinks in, that I cannot... I cannot force myself to react any differently to a situation any more than I could force myself to put down the food. Like, the change has to happen and the change has to happen. So I've re-upped my commitment to Step 11, and every day now, through my sponsor's direction, even if it's for three minutes, but I am meditating every day. A day does not go by. And I'm finding that stillness, and what I'm finding in it, which is so powerful to me and so humbling, because I wonder, like, what have I been doing all this time? Um, but, and I shared this in a meeting the other day that, you know, that time for me is, you know, I pray a lot. I pray all day and I ask God for a lot of things. Some are totally self-centered. <laughs> um, and then I have to say, like, that was totally self-centered. Hold on. Um, but, you know, I've always heard and learned that meditating is where I, where I hear my higher power, but it's also, and this is the piece that's, that's meaning so much to me right now, um, it's where I'm, where I'm, where I'm allowed that conscious contact with that part of myself that that, that is part of my higher power. That is that is that peace. That is that wholeness. That is that wellness. Where I like, where I get, where I really get that sense that I have everything inside of me that I need to be the person my higher power wants me to be today. And on top of that is all my character defects and all my fears and all my anxieties and all my imperfections and all the places I messed up as a mother or a wife or a friend or a whatever. But, that, but I'm feeling in my meditation right now that, that, that my higher power is with me, but also that, um, that that sense of stillness and peace that I've created is inside. And I think, you know, some people might get that in the first month of program. It's taken me 18 and a half years to really start to feel that sense of of of, I don't know another word for it, but peace. And so I feel like I'm able to walk through some of the stuff that's going on with my family and actually be vulnerable for the first time and actually really feel some of the stuff for the first time. Because I think for the first time, I'm feeling like I, I, I will survive it. You know, and that seems like a big kind of catastrophic word about being in crisis, and it's not. But even 
even with years of, and, and you know, I couldn't do this if I was in the food. That's what I want to say. I could not do it. I cannot get to any of this stuff. I cannot approach the person I want to be if I'm in the food because it takes up all my energy. My food and body obsession takes up all my energy. And it still takes up a lot of energy on certain days when the voice comes up like, you're not this, you're not that. You should do this. You should do this. You should do that. Um, but I, like, I, I want to transform some of these relationships or at least transform myself inside of them. I want to transform my experience. And the way that I am the way that I am doing that is in step eleven. So that's sort of that's like my theme of program at the moment. And that's the beautiful thing about being in here where we never have to leave because it's like any great work of art, any, you know, amazing spiritual text, it's like and you know, the big book being one of them, you go back to these things over and over and over. And there's always something else that comes up that's nourishing, that's inspiring, that's grounding. And, and that, I mean, and that's, that's why I will come back for the rest of my life, truly. Um, I want to say, there was something else I really wanted to say, and it's amazing, I'm blanking. Um, I, um, I, well, how I work my program right now, because I think that it's helpful to hear how, how, it's always helpful for me to hear how people work their programs. I go to, I'm in another program, so I go to three meetings a week between the two of them. It sort of depends what's up more, and, um, I mean, I have a home meeting in, in this program, a home meeting in another program, and then the other one is sort of like, what, what needs, what, where, where do I need that more in the week? Um, I call my sponsor Monday through Friday and often on the weekends as well, and, and she has a wonderful format for me, a kind of a check-in that I leave for her. Um, I have sponsees, and I work the steps with a sponsor, and my sponsees are always going through the steps, or we're, or we're doing some kind of, some kind, if, they're, if they're through the 12 steps, we might then stop and kind of do a literature study in some other way. It always circles back to the steps. I make so many phone calls. That's all I do when I'm alone in the car. And sometimes when my kids are in the car, <laughs> but usually, you know, it's like that is what I use my alone time for. I used to listen to NPR, and I love NPR, and I miss NPR, but now I just make my phone calls to everybody in a way. Um, and I have the deepest friendships in this program. Some of them, some of my best friends, I probably haven't talked to live in several months, but we leave that, those kind of intimate voicemails, and I stay so plugged into the message of this program through those calls. Um, you know, my, my abstinence is no binging, no starving, no purging through exercise. I do eat all things moderately, but if the food is starting to get a little too big or a little too important, I text or email commitments about my food just to bring me back to, just so it doesn't have to get any bigger than that. And it brings me back to what works for me and my food. There are foods that work for me. There are foods that don't so well. Um, what else? I'm of service at my home meeting. Um, and that's, and then, I, and then I, I pray and meditate and read from the literature every day. Um, so, yeah, so that's, I think, I know that my time's about to be up, so I'll stop. Maybe we have time for a question, but thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I... I, oh, thank you. Um, when my defects, so the question is, when my defects of character come up, how do I address them? The first thing I do, or one of the first things I do, is go back and read Step 6 and 7. I find those steps so powerful in the literature, and they, and, and something, again, it'll be a different thing, but something will jump out at me. Um, I call my sponsor. I talk it out. I get down. You know, I have a little corner in my room, which is sort of like my spiritual corner. I, I sit there. Sometimes I cry. I, I write. 
um, even if it's for, you know, and again, I used to think that writing had to be like this 20-minute thing where, like, I don't, I, I, I can't do it if I can't do it for 20 minutes because I'm a black and white person. But uh, it, I find that, like, I can usually get that, like, urgent thing out in about three minutes. So I write, and I write, like, what am I struggling with? Why am I beating myself up? Oh, this was the piece I wanted to share, so thank you for the question. I am, I am, I am finding, like, for the first time with my defects, I'm finding that I can actually love and accept myself through them. So I pray for my higher power to help me love and accept myself through them. Because I have found that I've spent so many years, even in abstinence, beating myself up for still having the defect that I have, um, which, of course, is not turning it over to God, that thinking I can somehow lift it from myself. So I pray ardently for love and acceptance of myself, and then I get up and I do the rest of my day. And I learn in here to just do the day and do the next indicated thing. And I just, you know, and I keep checking in about it, and then it sort of passes, and then, you know, it'll come back and hit me in the face again, and I'll do it again. So. <laughs> Thank you.